Hello and welcome to Yes to Entrepreneurship podcast. The Yes to Entrepreneurship podcast is where you, the listener, gets to eavesdrop in on the conversations I'm having with fellow entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ed Troxel, aka the guy who makes business and technology stupid easy for you. Whether you already have a business or are thinking about starting one, you are in the right place. Grab a pen, grab some paper, and get ready to take notes because you're about to get an inside look at the real conversations entrepreneurs are having. (laughs) Quick shout out to our sponsor, StupidEasy.com. StupidEasy.com is a new online course platform where you can easily upload and sell your online courses without having to be tech savvy and without them taking a cut of your sales. Discover more at StupidEasy.com and we'll have a link in the show notes for you. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I was running around today. I'm working. I'm, I'm working on my PhD and I'm finishing up um, comps and I've been working on that all morning. And then I thought about, oh my God, you know. Nice. So yeah. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. So Michelle, you were telling me earlier that uh, you used to work in a few different uh, broadcasting positions, it looks like. And also, how did you go from that to being an entrepreneur? Well, yeah, I have been in broadcasting all of my life from um, being on air to being a program director of radio station to GMing, operations manager, TV. I've been doing um, content production and content um, distribution. Um, and when I, I worked in D.C., for Westwood One, and if you know them, they do the traffic and CNN and CBS News, and I worked as a syndicator um, of those products to back to radio. And what was happening was, when I'm talking to a radio station, because by then, I had gotten kind of to the tops of my field in in broadcasting, and I had won a couple of awards, and so when I'm calling back to a radio station, they're like, Michelle, then I was Michelle Price, I was Michelle Price Johnson, I know your name, you won this award, and I'm like, yeah, well, so, tell me this, I got this problem, we're losing, we're, we are, we are our, our listenership is going down, or our viewership is going down, what did you do when this and this and this happened? And I'd be so happy to talk to them, because I miss radio so much, I would love to talk to them about it, you know, I'm like, well, what I did was this, and we did this kind of promotion, and once I was at this stage, and we didn't have much money, so we did this kind of um, um, promotion, you know, to grow our ratings, and, or we did this to grow our sales, or we did this. And it started happening so frequently that I started a, I kept up with everybody, and I started a newsletter where I would just send out an email. Again, I'm tying this to, to, to being a great salesperson, so I'm giving them value of why they want to work with me because they're going to take CNN from me. So I'm going to also um, make the experience super sticky by saying, hey, here's some tips to help you with your station. And I got a client doing that. Well, why don't you, we're paying somebody X, Y, Z. Why don't you be our, our consultant? And so I was like, hey, being a consultant, I can be back in radio. Cool. you know." Nice. And I started adding more consultants i've started not adding more i started getting more clients because when i realized i was a consultant then i started actively not saying i want to be your consultant i put that i was a consultant and then i started getting more clients and when i got enough clients that i was making my salary i bought a house in nashville left dc and moved to nashville i love it (laughs) yeah and that was in 2000 six so i've been doing it for 11 years that is great and so it all started then really by you just putting that value out there because everyone just kept asking you about what you were already doing right because like i had been a gm forever and again they they knew my name and so when they asked me questions, I kind of turned it in. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I knew that it was making my, you know, like in sales, you want to, we know that you want to give people more for the experience. And so when I wanted to offer them along with you working with me and I'm giving you CNN, if you got questions, I'll be able to answer them for it. You know what I mean? And it kind of switched over that way. So yeah, super serving my client got me a whole nother gig basically. <laughs> I love that. That, and that's what it, that's what it's all about is really, you know, it's, I think it's hard starting out to really clear your mind and be able to understand that all those questions everyone asks you on a daily basis about what you do and how you do it, 
it doesn't really click because you're working your nine to five and you're doing all this other stuff with, you know, home life and friends and on your own. So it doesn't always click right away. But for you, you were able to break through that noise and be able to recognize that part of it. Yeah, and I will say the process of when I realized that I was a consultant to I wanted to actually do this full time, it took yeah. about a year because I didn't just, okay, I got these people, now I'm, I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna, you know, it took, it, no, it took less than a year because I decided this like maybe in, uh, I'm gonna say it was probably, it was cold, so maybe, maybe October, yeah. but in May is when I left. So I guess it's not a year. I planned for you, but it was from October to May. You know, that is so interesting because everyone I run into and start talking, because you know, it's just like this, I'm always trying to talk to people and find out what they do and how they do it. And um, mm -hmm. what it comes down to is, it seems to be about that six months to maybe two years Yeah, is when it really takes off for a lot of entrepreneurs. Some yeah. obviously quicker, some a little bit longer, but that six month to two year period is really a, a sweet spot I'm finding for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, because I've heard, I've heard a lot of people since then, because like how I know you, we're doing this whole online thing. That's something new for me because now I'm trying to do my next, not only say quit, quit day because I love consulting stations, but then I was single. And so flying every place and doing that was all great. But now that I have a family and I'm trying to be home, because yeah. like I had one client where I would leave Nashville on Tuesday morning at 3.30. I had a four o'clock flight to get me to, to DC. And then I would stay there with that station from Tuesday to Friday, fly back home for the weekend. And I did that every week. Wow. And where it was a high impact client, it was really good for my business. It was just so hard for my life. And I'm like, okay, I got to think of something else here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the ability to try to, work with individuals and move that into a sphere where I'm working with individuals and there's a lot less, um, it's a lot more passive. That's my next thing. And I've been doing this now. June would be my year that I'm kind of transferring everything over to doing it that way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's my next thing, because I don't want to keep having to fly so much basically. Well, yeah, and that's a lot of work. And so how do you, uh, how did you manage then? Because you said you were single at that time. And mm -hmm. how did you manage your time then as well as how are you managing your time now? Because with the family and everything, I mean, that, that takes a lot. And well, I have an awesome husband, <laughs> you know, and he met me doing this. And so um, one of the things like with him, I've gotten the opportunity. I've been able to cut my clients down a lot. So where before anybody that wanted to work with me, I was smushing it all in, you know, yep. and I never did that. This client that I had, like I was a consultant for my DC client and then I, they ended up firing their GM and said, can you be our interim GM as long as our consultant? And so I ended up like, I'm like, well, I'm li I'm not moving to DC, but I can consult you. Well then just come up a few days a week. We'll pay for your travel in your hotel and you know, and they made it easy for me, you know, but it was not easy for my life. Sure. And that was a wake-up call for me that I wanted to kind of reorganize what I was doing. And so that was, that was, <sighs> flying gives you time to think. And I don't know about you, when I'm flying somewhere, I think I have the best ideas. And so I started looking at moving my time around because I had to figure out a way to be married. My mom was like, you can't leave your husband alone like this all the time. You know how mothers do. And my husband was all for it. I mean, not for me being gone. Right, because right. we would come up sometime too. We made vacations out of being in DC. But he asked, he's in television. He had to work here, you know. Oh, yeah. And it became, we, we had to do this the right way so that our honeymoon period would still be honeymoon. You know, I'd still be married in I mean, yes. six years now. So we, we survived it. But during that period, you know, it was hard. But it was really just making it so I, and I want to say I maybe not didn't do a good job because I'm one of those people that I'll be up till four in the morning like when I had that I had to be up at 3 30 for that 4 50 flight out of Nashville there were many days that because I was trying to make sure all the food was there because I knew he wasn't going to grocery shop right you know right. I was up till the flight you know and then so I was going to the flight and I'd sleep on the flight be back up and then I would be up all day and then I would just crash 
at eight or eleven when eight, nine, ten, eleven when I actually got to my hotel that night. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. <laughs> so. I, I, used to, I used to do that. I had a uh, a client, a New York client actually, and mm -hmm. when I would fly back, mine wasn't as intense. It was just a couple times a year, but mm -hmm. literally, and I don't sleep on planes, unfortunately, at least not yet. <laughs> so I would work all day at my day job and. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I had part-time jobs during the, that time frame too. I, so I'd work all day, get off at six, go home, change, get everything ready, and then be on the, uh, I think it was like the 1120 flight out of San Francisco, fly to New York, yeah, there at 7.20 in the morning, as soon as I touch down, hit the ground running. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm even a, I always say I'm an East Coaster at heart, and I actually... <laughs> had the opportunity, I guess you can say, of mm -hmm. becoming a true New Yorker because I actually had to change in the cab one time <laughs> from the airport into the city. That's <laughs> awesome. It's just one of those things. And, and I would go until like a 1 or 2 a.m. that next day before yeah. crashing because you just, that's what you have to do. And you love it. So you don't really, like you get tired, but the energy and adrenaline of doing something you love your, your your adrenaline will carry you until your body just can't, you know? So and true. that's what, like, for me on those days when I'd have to do that DC roundabout, on Sat on Friday, I get home, and my husband would have all these things he want to do on Saturday, and I'm like, just let me sleep, please. <laughs> you know, please. And so that, I, that was where I knew like, we had to do something, and that's when I really started to put some order um, to my life. I had to just put some order because I was not making my marriage a priority and I was not making my own health a priority. I was right. making, I got the opportunity to fly all over and people want me. So, you know, ah, you know, and so just making sure that myself, my health, my family were my priorities helped me prioritize my business. And it didn't make me go out of business. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Just being, because I didn't know that I could just charge a little bit more and have fewer clients. And that's where I am now. And I'm trying to have fewer and fewer clients, but have my rates stay the same so that I can switch over because I'm all about now helping individuals. That's, that's my new thing um, where you and I know, Nicole, it's just like helping me move out of working for four companies and work for 400 people by having them products and services that they can help them. That's where I'm trying to move to at this point. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's mm -hmm. so important. That's what I try to stress. I know everyone has a different situation and you know, they have different uh, people that they have to take care of, but it really is one of those things, whether you're working a nine to five or you're already out of your nine to five doing entrepreneurship full time is you don't have to have everyone as a client. Yeah. And you don't want to be breaking your back over trying to get all these clients. And part of what I, I teach people is how to plan their exit strategy, whether that's yeah. six months, a year, two years, whatever, but do you have to have some kind of plan in place because you, if you do that, you will actually have more of that buffer time to keep yeah. you from having to go crazy with all the clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I have a friend now that, um, well, I'm going to say this for me first. Yeah. I was caught in that. I thought I had to say yes to everybody and everything. And when I talk about that particular client that I had in DC, cause that was a, such a learning experience. They're still my client, but not the way that they were. I had to quit them because I was doing, they said, well, if you do this, be our interim GM, maybe for three or four months, we'll fly you in and out until we get somebody. Because as me as their GM, the station changed so, and was so was doing so well, they were just slow on hiring, they wouldn't hire anybody. And I did that for a year and a half. Do wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I kept doing, and I was grinding, you know? And it was just a grinding, grueling process, but I was doing it because I, when I got there, I loved it. But yeah. I was so tired at home, and I was just, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell them no, and I couldn't tell my other clients that were trying to come in no, and because I was doing a good job and people could see it, more people wanted to be clients, and I couldn't tell them no, and I was just grinding, and I just kind of burned out, and so finally, I had to tell myself, and I remember it was Thanksgiving, and I was home with my family in Georgia, and I was like, I got to stop, because this is my vacation, and I just forgot what it was like 
to not have to deal with anything but myself and my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I when I got back after November, after Thanksgiving, I said, look, I'm giving y'all 30 days to find somebody. But at the beginning of the year, I will consult you, but I cannot do this anymore. Good and I had you. to quit. That, But that was so hard. And I get why people do it because... I had already had a system in place that I had multiple people so that if I left them, I wasn't going to go broke, but it's the, I can't tell anybody no, because you know, then I'll be mean or nobody will want me anymore. Or, you know, there's something in your brain that if you tell a client, no, all the other clients will all run away and you'll die broke. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just had to get past that, you know? And so that's something that I think, especially when you have, then I had multiple clients. When you have one or two clients or maybe four, it's so hard because you really think this is the last, it's like a relationship. This is the last person that's ever going to love me. If I tell them no, nobody's ever going to love me again, you know? <laughs> and you have to understand that there will be new clients. You are good. They want you because you're good. So keep going, you know? Yeah, that's so important because, you know, uh, that's the thing. A lot of us feel like if we say yes, we'll be good to go. But then we don't realize that we get into that, that hustle, that grind. Mm -hmm. And we're really saying no to those opportunities that exactly. really could help us. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. And, so, and better opportunities you miss out on because you're grinding so for things that may not be those best things. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what kind of, because uh, I'm always about systems and uh, mm -hmm. you know, time management, what did you do or what are you doing to like help manage things? Are you using like a, a daily planner or Google uh, Calendar or anything? Oh, everything. I am a time, like first I'm a notebook junkie and I know one of the things you asked the other day, what would you live without? And I put down notebooks. Yep. <laughs> I am a notebook junkie. I have an iPad. I have my iPhone and then I have my physical, I have like, I have to have a legal pad flip over kind of paper. Yes. And then I have to have the notebook paper that has, you know, like your school notebooks with the with the uh, pockets in it. Oh yeah. I have that too. Then I have a little cute one in my purse because <laughs> I have to keep notes of everything. And then I have to keep their ca calendars of everything. Like just now the count of the, my, my clock told me that I was supposed to have this, you know, meeting with you. Yeah. But I was in my school mode, so I had blocked off everything else, and I forgot this. Right. You get what I'm saying? So, yes. yeah, so it's all about, I have to have calendars. Um, I have iCalendar. I have Google Calendar. I have a physical calendar. And I know that people try to get away from physical calendars, but I do. And something that I took from my mom, my mom not only tracked keeps up with what she's doing today, she writes down what she did at the end of every day. Oh, nice. So I started doing that. So in her calendar, and I have one of the calendars that she has where, you know, I have the little squares, the calendar, the actual squares of yeah. the, you write out what you want to plan for the day. But then there's usually a section that has some little lines that you can write in, yep. write in what you did for the day, you know? And so that helps me in that when I have something planned, a lot of times having this interview with you, I'll remember what we said because I'll write this in my calendar that I, I talk, you know, with Ed and we did this, 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 blah, 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 blah. And it helps me go going forward because I plan so far out in advance. And that's the other thing that I would tell people. Yeah. I have to have a skeleton plan really far. Like right now I'm trying to plan my um, August because I have some things I want to get done. I've got June, July, they're done. I'm planning my August right now, but I also have to leave space for life. Right. <laughs> so that's my thing. I have to block in my lifetime. I have to block in the time with my family. I have to, if I don't block it in, I roll right through it doing other things because I find that I love my work. So I love doing it. Does that make sense? Yep. Oh, it totally <laughs> does. It's like, that is exactly what happens. And that's a part, I mean, I found myself doing that too. I actually was hardcore paper planner back in the day during my first business and then mm -hmm. i went all digital and then recently with the new business and the other uh business stupid easy i decided you know what i'm gonna still do the digital because that's with me everywhere but mm -hmm. i got a paper planner and i yeah. literally am writing in that thing every day yeah. what i want to yeah. accomplish for that day yeah there's something about that tactile the, the the tactical part of being with paper you you have it in your hands the same thing i the my phone is my memory it will beep where the paper won't beep 
Right. But I need, but I need to be able to see everything and put my hands on it and write it. it has something to that. Yes. yes. No. It's true. <laughs> and you know, that's a great point because that's what I uh, am always telling myself and others is that it's great that you can be able to check things off on the paper calendar. But you have that notification which satisfies our digital, yeah. you know, that we're so used to having a notification go off. Yeah. And you were talking about how you can uh, block off that time for family and you time and also for work or school. That's a big one. And what I've noticed uh, for myself recently is that when I blocked off specifically Monday through Friday, no social media before 10 a.m., Wow. I, yeah, it was, let me tell you, it was a struggle Monday morning when I did that one day. I was like, you know, I got almost 30 notifications. I just want to check them. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just going to let it be. Mm -hmm. I moved everything to the second page of my iPhone. I didn't open up my um, Facebook.com. I just left it. And after that first day at 10.01, I realized how much work I got done for my yeah. business. And I carried on for the whole week. And I've been on, uh, I think, at least five weeks now of yeah. doing that for the most part. I mean, you know, you'll slip a little bit here and there. Well, I'm going to have to try that because I'm one that even, and now this is gross, but even if you have to go get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, yep. I'll check my phone. I'll check yep. my social media. Like something happened at 3 a.m., but I have to check it, you yep. know? Well, and and so <laughs> that's the problem. And, you know, what's funny is most of these notifications are just so-and-so liked a photo that you exactly <laughs> so, then you get caught in this loop that you're looking at all these pointless notifications yeah. that don't have anything to do with you or the person directly and right. so that's what i realized and so by moving the icon to a different page on your phone and by not opening up the tab now you can do messenger.com because i know a lot of people do uh facebook messenger Mm -hmm. uh, business and stuff so you can do that but you access it through messenger.com not facebook.com oh nice if you're on messenger.com that's all it is is your notifications for messenger there's no mm -hmm. facebook tied into it oh okay so that's the key about being able to uh go on to your messages without getting distracted by facebook great tip because like now um now that I'm, when i was talking to businesses i didn't really a lot of the social media I didn't really get into unless I was playing around. Yeah. Now when you're talking to individuals, you have to have that Facebook life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so that becomes so invasive. So thank you. That's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it helps so much. And, you know, because going back to your comment about um, blocking off time, you have to do that. And, and with, loving what you do versus working a nine to five just to pay the bills mm -hmm. at the nine to five you're you're waiting to clock in and clock out absolutely and then do whatever and then when you're doing your own business and doing what you love you can't wait to clock in and you don't want to clock out right right and there's always when i'm cooking dinner i think of something and i've had yes. food burn because i'll have my ipad in the kitchen so that while i'm doing one thing i'll run over and do something else and then my stuff burns because i got caught up you know what i mean <laughs> i have to learn you know michelle finish cooking first because yep. i'm that person where i would have my laptop or my ipad in the kitchen so that i can be useful while something is waiting to boil oh yeah you know no, I mean? i'm the guy that goes <laughs> to the gym because i try to get out of the house so that way at least daily so that way I'm going somewhere and I go to the gym and I'll be the guy that will I don't really like doing a whole lot of the cardio machines but when I'm trying to read a book or something I'll be the guy on the cardio machine doing the elliptical and reading my book while having a pen in my hand making notes <laughs> and have the iPhone playing my beats one or a podcast like wow look like the craziest person in there, but you know what I'm learning <laughs> yeah yeah I love the pen in your hand while you're working out I've never seen that before that's awesome <laughs> yes yeah I'm sure people are like there goes that guy again <laughs> <laughs> but you're getting it done though you know that's the so, thing yeah. and and that's when the ideas really start coming and that's going yeah. back to your cooking you know it's like that's what i tell people is you have to separate yourself from the computer and you have to walk away from the work several times throughout the day because you can't always be thinking so mm -hmm. hard because you're not going to get it you have to go for that you know daily walk every i always suggest at least 10 to 15 minutes because by the time you actually hit that 15 minute mark that's when your brain actually is like oh 
I can kind of stop thinking about whatever we were stressing out about a few minutes ago because I'm out here doing a walk. You know, it's kind of like 10 to 15 minutes minimum is where I think the brain needs in order to debrief and get rid of whatever it was you were doing beforehand. Absolutely. I 100, again, I 100% agree because my best ideas come from traveling only because when your cell phone has to be off during the flight, yes. my brain has to think, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, the, 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 the sensation of being fed something, it realizes, okay, now I've got to think of something. And then I have the best ideas, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I totally get it. I totally get it. So that means that before our cell phones were connected to us, people probably were so much more brilliant. They just couldn't get it all done. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it is. It's so true. Awesome. And it's, it's crazy. And so you said that you had a, a supportive husband, which points for him. Like, that's, that's awesome. Yes. It is hard for a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, to talk about entrepreneurship. Do you have any, did you have any trouble or do you have any trouble with, like, having the family relate to what you're doing now versus telling you to like go get a real job you know well, honestly because and I was, because like I, I came from a really small town in in Georgia Albany Georgia and so my career path people just kind of my family like when I think of my family family they believed in me because I was the Oprah from Albany basically because I was from this small town and now I'm here and then I'm here and you're doing this and you're doing that and so they just when I said okay now I'm gonna start my own company yeah at first my they were like you're gonna quit this good job but then I was like but I got these clients and they were like okay well this is what you've done before so they were fine my husband is kind of the same way where I had problems with were was with and, and I know that a lot of people are like this. It was with my friends because I found that the people, how can I explain this? When I'm working, I'm working with people who are thinking kind of the same. Because in broadcasting, everybody is like feast or famine. You've got to hustle. You've got to do this. So that we're all the same types of people. Right. When I got out of that and I started working for myself and I started making friends with people whom I knew from church or from from my neighbors or whatever, they were more nine to five or type people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. And so I, it was hard to relate. So what do you do? Well, I consult, da, da, da. Well, what does that mean? So how do you make a living? You know, like, what, you know, and it was hard. So I just didn't talk about it that much. I said, well, I, I work with, um, I work in media. I, I mean, I just really broke it down to work in media and left it alone, Yeah. you know? And it was hard to get my, friends, especially since I've been married, because I have married friends and they're all, all family and this and that. And so it's hard to relate that way. And I think that slowed me down a lot. And it made me sad because I, I didn't realize how much I missed my broadcast friends who were all, we got to get this and we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, which is why I say I love like Facebook groups and masterminds and those types of things because they're other people and you may be in different places, but who all have that same, you have to have people that are connect that you can connect to that are like that iron sharpening iron so that you, you are able to say, I got this great idea to do that da, 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 because normal people will be like, what you're going to do what? Well, how can you do that? You can't do that. You know? And luckily I didn't grow up that way, but in my grown up life, I have met with silence when I say things like that. You know what I mean? But, I, but I've done it enough, so I know what I'm doing, but it just makes me sad because I would love to have that. My husband is good, but you know, you, for girls, you gotta have those girlfriends. They're like, what, what, yeah. Right. You know? And so I had to find that kind of by calling my old friends and then from being in, in um, Facebook groups and masterminds with people that are also doing it. So I yeah. have to do it that way. No, and that's a good point. And you know, I, I'm the same way where I, I have uh, supportive friends and family, you know, sometimes it's, it goes a little over their head, especially with my parents, you know, trying to figure out yeah. because I do, you know, so much online that right. they still don't fully comprehend what all of that does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they're very supportive and everything. And I've been blessed with a great friends and family, but the, um, the thing that really stood out is when I started to flip the switch from being on Facebook just for fun, and posting and checking in with friends to now it's only checking those Facebook groups mm -hmm. and being in those groups. I mean, mm -hmm. I rarely check my feed for friend posts, not that I don't care, but it's 
that's not what I'm using my time for. Right. And so how did you get started? Do you know how, do you remember how you got into these Facebook groups? Cause I know a lot of people I talk to, especially just starting out, they're like Facebook groups. I didn't know about these. I mean, it's still a thing, you know, that people mm -hmm. don't know. Well, I'm going to say my very first Facebook group was um, 1K one day. <laughs> I'm going to be honest because yes. that was not my life. It was not even my world. I was on Facebook, like you said, to check and see what my friends from high school were doing and to post some stuff because that's how we knew that each other was still alive. You, right. know? <laughs> you know, and that's what Facebook was for for me. And I, that's all that I used it for. Um, from being 1K one day, I just saw, oh, this is happening. And that's when I saw what was going on online. Again, all of this is in the last year, 12 to 14, 15 months for me, you know? Nice. And so I'm like, okay. And then now I'm in so many and I've, I've even started a couple, you know? And it, it has been so, because that was the piece that was missing for me for the last couple of years because being married, I was a good wife and I had friends here and I was doing friendship things with people that were in my circle, but I didn't have the support and the feedback and the, I get the commiseration kind of with people who are also trying to do this thing. And that is so important. And I, I love it. I love, I think that is, is, I'm so glad that those tools are here and they, and I think that for anybody, um, you have to know that you're not an Island and you cannot do it alone. And, and even if you've got somebody supportive, like I wouldn't want to, my husband, he's, he works in television. But so when I'm talking to him about, I'm going to start this thing and da, 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 he knows that my, my consulting works because he sees those clients and he sees that. But when I said, well, I'm getting ready now to quit this and I'm going to go over and do this and it's going to be passive and da, 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 da. But I got to use this much money and I'm going to pay for this, da, da, da. And he's like, ah, uh, okay, you know. <laughs> and, but when he, see, he trusts me, because I've been in business for so long, but you know what I'm saying? But it's something, yeah. but then to have some other people who get it and who are doing it, it's so, it, it's so, it, it saves your life. Yeah. And it could be, and it could slow you down so much and make you feel like you're crazy when you don't have it. Oh, so yeah. I've had, you know, or that you are crazy, but there's some other crazy people right. too, you know? Yep. So, yeah, there's someone crazier than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that, I think that is so important. That's the key. You gotta have someone else. Like when you're saying, well, how do you, how do you tell, get your friends or family on board? Sometimes you can't, but you have right. to have a community that is on board or that you're on board with to grow with. Oh, That's for sure, yeah. I always say teamwork equals success because yeah. You know, you cannot do it, even though you think you can and you do a lot, you cannot do everything that's going to get you that next level right. without support, no yeah. matter which way you look at it. And yeah. it's so funny because um, when you said some friends will be on board and some not, there's, there's a couple friends of mine that, I mean, they, whether they like it or not, they're actually enjoying the, op the opportunity of hanging out with me more now because of the fact that I've opened up their world to yeah. this new passive income, to this new uh, world that they're not familiar with because Absolutely. they don't have the people around them that are saying, why not try to make that into something that you could do as a business? Like yeah. they're used to, no, you've got to go get a nine to five. You got to get benefits. You got to do that, which again, I get that. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can at yeah. least experiment, especially when you're at a nine to five. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And like for me, when I first left my job in 2006, and again, I left and I bought, I, I left my job, I bought a house and then left my job, <laughs> you know, my first house and left my job and moved to a different city, you know, because I, in the planning process, I like, I'm not going to pay $400,000 for a little townhouse in DC when I could pay 200,000 for a house house in Nashville. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, you wouldn't get that in California, let me tell you. Yeah, you get know, an apartment for that. <laughs> yeah, you know. And so and then, you know, I just had a plan and I, I just got all these things that lined up. But I was by myself. When I when I did it, I was by myself. But there were other people that had I just connected with other business groups to help me because again, in consulting, because I had connected to these clients, these stations before I left, 
I was still connected to them. Right. When, when people are doing a business where you're a nurse, but now you want to go over and start making bows for a living, do you get what I'm saying? Yep. You're coming, you're, you're letting go of all of the stuff that you know and all the people that you know and launching over into something where you won't know anybody. Then you have to have some type of mastermind, some type of group, yes. some type of connection, or you will, I don't say you'll die, but you'll feel like you're going crazy, you know? And, and that was a, the easy thing for me in the transition from my, my, my first transition. Same thing with this transition. I, trying to, to be, reach individuals with passive income like you're talking about now, having the groups, the, the Facebook groups that I'm in now, if I had tried, because the worlds don't connect. The, thing, the things I do to work with a business, to consult with them, none of the, almost none of that is a different way. I can't, get, I, I can't grow my business the same way, right. getting someone interested in um, networking stuff and the tools that I have for this. It's, it's a totally different way of doing things. And so you have to have, I have to have a new level of learning for myself to work this whole thing out. So you have right. to have a community. Sorry for the long yeah. answer, but yeah. No, no, and you touch on a great point that it's all about that personal and professional development. Yeah. That's really what it is. And again, going back to the blocking off time to really have time for yourself. I mean, whether you're single or you have a family, you got responsibilities, but you also have a responsibility to yourself to make that time, whether it's 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, but you have to have that time daily to be able to do something for your personal and professional development, reading a book, listening to a podcast, um, you know, writing down, like you said, your mom doing the reflections. I mean, mm -hmm. that's huge because we get so caught up in what we have to do today, tomorrow, and the next day and the next year, whatever. We forget what we've done yeah. and how we got to the point where we're at. And exactly. when you're stressed out and worried about what's coming next, looking at those reflections makes you feel so good because you're like, wow, I actually did this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you see, for me, you see commonalities. Yes. I can see where if I was stressed out last year because of A, and this year I'm stressed out because of A, and A was fixed the next month, why am I stressed out today when the yep. solution is going to be here? I, it, cause have you ever done it where you're stressed out about something and then when it was fixed, you're like, why was I so worried about that? <laughs> yes. I'm having fun, but yet still for two weeks, I'm pulling my hair out. I'd have hair right now. You know what I mean? Right. So, it's, but it's all about when you can go back and see that you can do it and that is the, the way is going to be made for you. You can, it helps so much. So I don't want to keep going on and on about yeah. that, but yeah, I totally agree with you. It's true. And so now what are you uh, working on now? What are you, what are you kind of focused on right now in your business and what kind of struggles are you also facing possibly? Okay. Well, two things, my, 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 I've, I've changed my website. Now I'm michellepricejohnson.com and it is um, a portal for individuals who are trying to do better at life. And I offer confidence tools. Um, a lot of people are, the, the main thing that I hear, even as a consultant to a business, when I'm trying to help them figure out what's going on with their teams, many people don't know what their purpose is. So they're working at a job, but the job, the, the team is not progressing because you've got people in the wrong, I call it work fit, yes. but I'm developing something for that, <laughs> you know? So I'm trying to fix this whole work fit issue. And, but, but the meaning, the, the, the reason for that is I've got, um, accountants who should really be salespeople and salespeople who should really be content providers and content providers who should not even be there at all. <laughs> Do you yes. know what I mean? No, it's and true. So, and, and in talking to them and figuring that out, what that has done for me personally in my brand of the whole passive income stream is I, did, I created a product called Purpose Blueprint Formula. And it helped people, it, it is something that I used in talking to people and I developed this consulting clients and working with their teams. And it was helping people figure out, well, what are you supposed to be doing? I know the company doesn't want to fire you. You're not working right now. It's not a great fit for you. What are you supposed to be doing? You know, right. and then if we can figure out what you're supposed to be doing, you're valuable enough. Let's see how we can put some of that in what you're doing now, or you need to find out a way to do this part time in your free time because you'll be happier if you do what you're supposed to be doing, you know? And I would have this conversation with people that 
were at risk because the team that they are on, they're not being strong enough. Do you get what I'm saying? And they're not strong because they're not happy. And most of the times it's because there's not the right fit, but they have to have a job. They don't want to be fired because they need the money, but they know they hate the job. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so I started developing this as a tool for, for them and for people, people. And then um, that kind of grew and, and I had this, so I put this out, I made it. I didn't know how to market it to people. I just have it. So it's online right now. If you go to purposeblueprintformula.com, you find it. And then so I started looking at how can I work, how can I get this information to people? And that's when I found Nicole in 1K one day, and she was talking about how to actually reach people, you know? Yeah. And so I um, did the whole Michelle Price Johnson um, dot com website, and I've got stuff on confidence, the things that I work with, doubt crushers, um, th the, the things that I saw that people needed, along with, I, my company stuff, my clients, I still they have still an access, a portal to reach me, and I also reach nonprofits. Nice. Now, in the last 60 days, I'm creating this thing called podcastforprofit.tv. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, because, again, who am I? I'm a broadcaster. And so right. while I'm doing these things to work with personal development, what I do is broadcasting, and I see all these people trying to do these podcasts and broadcasts, and they're doing these fundamental things wrong, and their podcasts are hobbies. And, and I'm doing podcasts for profit because that's closest to radio. Yeah. But, it, it, but it's fundamental to everybody who's doing any kind of broadcast or blog because they're doing it hoping to make money from it, but there are tools that broadcasters use to make money. You don't just create something for the sake of creating it if you want to monetize it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but you've got to know that you need to understand how to talk to your, how to talk to potential sponsors. How are you, are you making sure that you know your target demos? And a lot of times so far, when I talk with someone who does a podcast, I'm saying, well, who are your target demos? They always, almost 100% of the time say, everybody, I want everybody to listen, you know? And I'm like, okay, no, everybody is not a target demo. If you're going for everybody, you're not going to get your target. So let's niche this or niche this down. Let's niche this down. Find out who your target is. You know, those types of things, people that are just wanting to, who have something to share with the world, they don't know about target demos. But this is what you knew. And, and at a, a television or a radio station, we're all over our yeah. target demos. We're all over making sure that our product is working well for our client, our clients, people listening. And our consumer is the people that we're selling to. So you got to make sure that you've got something that is a sellable product so that you can get your sponsors or advertisers. But that's two yeah. different things. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so making that into something such that a podcaster can have the same stuff that I'm talking to a radio or a television station about in a bite-sized way that they can understand it because most of them have, are spending thousands of dollars. Well, I got this new Rhodes mic and I got this, nope, yep. this, this, this Mackie mixer board and I got this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, great. How much are you spending in trying to make sure you're monetizing your podcast? Yep. Uh, you know, when I build it, they will come. And I'm like, well, no, that only works for that movie. It doesn't work in reality. People, your people, you know, People's stuff die. And I'll say, and I and my thing about it is million dollar radio stations don't do that. Million dollar TV stations don't do that. They don't just create it and hope people come. Television shows, and, and, and I'm sorry I'm going off on this tangent. No, it's but, good. But people don't recognize that radio, television, movies, all these things were created not so much for the art. They were created to wrap, a, a radio station is created for, to, for the commercials that can wrap around it. Your favorite TV show was created for the, t for the commercials that they can wrap around it. When they can't wrap those, when the commercials aren't paying, your TV show is canceled. <laughs> Do you know what I'm right. saying? And so you have, so they're thinking, how what can we create to get these target demos to watch these commercials? So what are my podcasters have to understand or any broadcaster or any person developing content that they're hoping to grow audience so that they can get advertising has to understand is that you have to think of how am I going to, what am I going to, what content am I going to wrap around that's going to gain me the people that I want so that I can sell the viewers that I have to my advertiser. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And so that's what this whole, and I started with podcasting, but since I've done it, my husband's like, well, you need to change it from podcast for profit to really broadcast for profit. 
because or even vlog for profit or live broadcast and everything yeah 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 so but for now it's podcastforprofit.tv and it's it's an academy that we're putting together we're building the courses now and um that's that's the latest i mean the last 60 days i've been on a crunch for that because that's my summer project i love it (laughs) i'm so excited for that i'm like i'm gonna have to check that out (laughs) because i'll tell you you know like you know to be honest with the podcast thing is i decided i've always wanted to do the podcast thing just because i love being able to talk to people and Mm -hmm. i have no real intent in terms of you know getting profit from it i mean obviously it'd be nice but my my whole purpose is just to really connect with people and to share the stories like that's what i'm about exactly and so putting this together i was the one who i said you know what i don't want to have this expensive mic and all this expensive gear i'm pretty simple i want mine to be very simple and because of that i want to make sure that what i use is stuff that people who are just starting out can go get this without having to spend a ton of money and so i knew going into this that people are going to ask me well ed how did you how did you get started what did you and i wanted to be able to tell them you know i use my apple earbuds (laughs) on my phone for 30 bucks if you go to the store. Mm -hmm. I use Zoom and a few other little things that made it work. Now that may not work for everyone, but for me and the show that I'm going for, that's what I wanted to do. And then for, you know, the the advertisers and the sponsorships, that's the next big thing, right? That you got to tie in and get Mm -hmm. going. But Mm -hmm. podcasting doesn't have to be so complicated. It does not. It does not. And what you're saying, the one of the very first um, uh, um, podcasts, because my husband does a sports podcast, so he's doing. Nice. He's he's the he's the podcast voice for podcast for profit. I just do the stuff. He does the he does the podcast. <laughs> you know, and that was the very first one. Is how you start your podcast in one day. And it, he started his sports podcast on his cell phone. Love and it. I, that and he put it into the the audio into the computer yep and then he uploaded it and he was on new and noteworthy offices off of his cell phone on itunes yes. you know what i mean and then now he has more things but he started with that and a lot of people use that time i gotta buy this mic and i gotta buy this that, right. that's just a, a procrastination mechanism you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Oh, it's yeah. just so you cannot start because you need the $300 microphone. Yeah. And you really don't. It's about your content, about what you have to say. Oh, it's true. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because what started out with this podcast, uh, now it's about the conversations between me and, and you. But mm-hmm. the whole idea at the beginning, which I still have all of these clips that I'm going to probably package together and figure out how to put it out there. But the whole idea for the main podcast was I have all these clips of me talking to just my phone and actually I use the Evernote app because I love Evernote and it has the best recorder that I can I can see on the phone mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, what I've done is I have a bunch of clips where I'm either talking to the phone telling about my experience because you know I have nobody around me to sure. talk to about that and then also conversations I have with like my VA or with my mom as we're going to dinner or something, mm-hmm. that insider's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fun and it's totally raw and I haven't done anything with them yet, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, that that's what I want. I want to keep it moving and just put it out there. But honestly, that's the creativity and flexibility that we have now, which is what's killing all other forms of broadcast media, right. you know, cause even, and I hate to say this with my, I hope my radio station, my radio clients aren't listening, <laughs> but that's why podcasting and digital media is so, um prolific because you can have like what you said you just created something you don't know what you're going to do with it yet but you've created something that is that is sounds amazing and so when you put it on the air you have the creativity and the flexibility and now the the production tools to do anything you know and that's what that's what's hurting an industry that is slow and sluggish (laughs) you know what i mean you can't do everything's not done the same way anymore so right well and that's that's the thing too you know is and again that's where my brain is like so how can we make this better because i do that with everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm like i start looking at these companies and i'm not familiar too much with the broadcasting specifically but just in general i look at the companies and i'm like you know what okay You've been doing it X, Y, and Z for this way forever. Now, here's the new stuff that people are doing. Mm-hmm. Tap into those, those people. 
They may not yeah. be your customers, but tap into them. See what they're doing. How are they? How are they using the technology? What are their struggles? And figure out a way, as the you know, in this case, we'll say broadcasting station. Figure out how you can go from what you're currently using and apply what you just learned from those users. You know, it's all about that user experience. Absolutely. And really tying that in. Absolutely. Like I'm working on my PhD, so I've learned like I like the word, the terminologies. I have been a practitioner, much like you, most of my life, and now I'm training to be a scholar, you know. And what you just said is the nimbleness of an organization. And that is a theory. That that is a, an organizational strategy. That's that organizations have to be nimble. And nimble means it's like if you're running, you can, like you see a, a nimble football player can be running to the left and then switch and turn to the right and then switch and go forward and switch and go back. And organizations that are nimble, that are able to build that into their, strat, their, their corporate structure are the ones that are winning now. The yes. ones that are sticking to that traditional, we did this in the past, we know we need to change, but the ship is going forward. So it takes too much effort to sh turn the ship right a hard right, everything, all the, all the plates will fall off the table. You yep. know, those, those, those companies that are nimble are able to do that. And so now in the, in the business world, that is a, I don't want to say that's a trend, but that, that is, that is a right. known um, necessity to be nimble, but it's just taking the bigger ones a little longer. Like yep. you said, like the deaths of, they were talking about how many more stores at Macy's, Macy's I is know. And yeah. yeah, and and because people don't shop on, uh, they don't shop at the store the same anymore. You still want to go sometimes if you got to wear something tomorrow. Yep. You do want to run in, but when you go in and you don't see what you need, you wish you, you know that you could find it online. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so, my little, my little, I'll keep it short. My tangent on that one because whoever is, uh, you know, taking this idea, I want, I want to hear about it because I don't see people doing this, and I'm like, you know, you guys should be paying me some big bucks on this. Idea. <laughs> but, uh, my thing with retail and online is that everyone you talk to would still love to go into a store because we yeah. want to touch it. We want to feel it. We want to try it on almost everything that can apply to. And so it kills me that these businesses that have been around forever, Macy's, Sears, Kmart, whatever, mm -hmm. they've been around forever. They know they have some smart people in there. They have marketing, they have all this technology and ed education, but yet, what I'm not seeing in the marketplace that I want to see if it works is I want to see more of a connection between online and retail versus, well, everyone's just buying online. So we got to shut the store down. Right. You know, everyone's like one or nothing, uh, all or nothing. And what I want to see is, you know, I use this example when I was getting a new monitor for my, um, my office, I went into Staples and they had maybe four, or five monitors on display, which, you know, fine. It's not nothing fancy. It's mm -hmm. simple. I looked at each one of them. Not one had an HDMI cable. And mind you, this was like 20, end of 2015, early 2016. So it's not uh -huh. like it was in the stone age. <laughs> not one had an HDMI cable, which is standard in today's world. Mm -hmm. They all had pretty much the exact same features and looks with no adjustments to the screens. I mean, there was pretty much no change between all four or five of those monitors. And I was like, how is this, why? Why would you waste this retail space? Yeah. And yeah. so what I would like to see retail um, locations do and, it, and tell me if they do this is, I wanna see them tap into their customers. I wanna see not just the surveys, but if the product's not offered in store, would you buy this in the store if we offered it? You know, if I'm right. shopping online, every product has a button that I can check or click on that says, I would buy this in the store. And then every week or month or whenever you do inventory, you look at all your online sales and your store sales, and you look at those, those questions that people are answering, and you see, this is the product that we should be stocking in the store. Because right. obviously this charger is not selling. Because if you go to a store and they don't have the product you want, how do you know if they would have bought it or not? Right. You don't. They go online and they buy it. So then you think, oh, everyone's shopping online. So I don't know if that makes sense, but there's, there's a- It totally does. No, it totally does. And when you were saying this, I just, I, I'm an NPR nut and I was listening to NPR last week. 
and they were saying they were having this con this discussion and um, the host was talking about like Apple Apple is one of the retailers that is killing store game because stores make money based on square foot if they're a hundred a thousand square foot store they want to be able to make ten thousand dollars a square foot something like that I don't know the number and now what makes what makes a store know that needs to close while the big mall stores and the big shops are closing is because they've got these gargantuan stores whether that are 10,000 square feet where they were making $10,000 a square foot but now they're making a thousand dollars five hundred dollars a square foot you know what I mean and so but Apple has these teeny little stores sometimes they're mid-sized you know but they're making thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars per square foot in there's I'm going to say millions of dollars per square foot but they're they're doing it why because they've got the like exactly what you said they got the hottest things there they know that we're going to go online see what we want and then when you go to the when you want your iPad if you want it today you're going to go in the iPad the iPad store so you can touch it and you're right. going to buy it and so they're making it an experience like that but and there's a and they listed one store that I'd never really heard of that is doing that it's a retail shop that is doing the same thing but but other than that the big retailers again they're so huge and historic that their nimbleness is not there because their ways their way of being nimble is well we'll just get some of the latest new guys stuff in it that's how we're being trendy and cool <laughs> you know exactly yeah and you know i'll say because i came from the apple background and i will say that apple definitely has it going on now i love them and i will always be apple but what i would like to see even further is them taking up that that surveying of the customers but not not like fill out these questions because you know they do that anyway when you when you buy something mm -hmm. but i want to see that 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 online and retail tie in together and you know they're they're trying to do that but there there's a lot more that i see there more potential that i see an opportunity oh, absolutely they're just they're just doing it better than anybody else exactly. that's what macy's is there's no apple stores closing in the mall you know right. what i mean right exactly <laughs> it's true it's true it's one piece of advice that you would give somebody who's starting out um as an entrepreneur oh, yeah sorry let me redo that okay. <laughs> after i said i was like wait that doesn't sound correct <laughs> so what's one piece of advice that you would give somebody who is thinking about starting out in entrepreneurship or maybe is already an entrepreneur and they're just still kind of getting their feet wet okay well my major thing if you're if you're thinking about doing it and you have a nine to five do not quit your nine to five i would say build your business as best as you can understand and this build your business on the side as best as you can because you'll need the money from your nine to five to invest in your business and people don't realize that that launching a business is not free it's it's you're going to be spending a lot of money so have some money have a source of income to build your business and then if you've already lost because a lot of people start a business because they lost their nine to five through a layoff or whatever if you're in that i would say find a community because once you find a community, you'll you'll under you'll know what you don't know. Because a lot of us, you'll know I don't know how to make a website. So then you'll go make a website. But many times you don't know that you'll also need to get some type of payment processor. You don't know you'll need to get um, an email or a lead page service. You you don't know that you'll need something to a convert kit. You don't even like you won't even know what convert kit is. And so you know what you don't know. You know. And so having a community will help you know what you don't know. You'll hear somebody say, oh, well, when I get ready to do this, do y'all use ConvertKit or do you do use this? And you're like, what are you talking about? You know, but you need to be in that conversation so that you learn from it. So I the two agree. things, yeah, those are my two things. If you haven't quit your job yet, don't. Build your business out, build your money out, with, have your goal, have a number in your head that you need to make before you leave your job, and two, have a community make sure you're part of the community i love it i love it that was well said and that is all part of that planning that exit strategy yeah thank absolutely. you that was thank great you. Uh, i appreciate you yeah so where where can i find out more about you uh and what where are you at online um michellepricejohnson.com or you can go to podcastforprofit.tv um those two places 
Um, and I would also say um, I have I'm, I have a, a website called leadingatlife.com. That's what I started with when I first started my journey um, online. It was leadingatlife.com. And I'm going to, you may be able to just go there and it'll send you to everything else. Nice. So like that. um, and that's, that's it. And, and all social media you can find in all in those websites. Perfect. This was fantastic, Michelle. Thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours. I, oh, you too, Ed. You rock. I, I love like, seeing your journey with what you're doing. You're doing so many big things. Awesome. Thank you. I, you know, I, I try and some days it's like, what am I doing? Because I'm just producing and producing, but nothing's really coming back, but it's, mm -hmm. it's good. I'm just putting it out in the world and seeing what happens. Well, you know, the thing about it, and this is for, for you, because I had to, to learn this myself. When you're planting seeds, uh, you know, they can't eat. A, a farmer has to wait months. You've got to plant the seeds. You've got to till the soil. It has to rain. It has to be sunny. The stuff has to grow. <laughs> and then you Ooh. eat. You know, and then and then you can't once if one stalk of corn pops up, you can't eat that corn. You've got to put some of that back into the ground for the next seed. You know what oh, I mean? That was so good. That was fire. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so that's what you, you just have to know, because what happens if you see? Have you imagined if you planted a seed in the ground and then a, a green leaf popped up and so you ate it? <laughs> you know, you've got to let it grow. It's got to take the time to grow. And you know what I'm saying? So that's, so I just say, don't eat your seed and don't, and plan on not eating your seed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let yourself grow. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. That was money right there. I love that. And that's, that's where I'm at. I'm like, you know, at some point something's got to give. So I'll just keep doing my thing, putting things out there while I'm able to, and while, you know, I've been blessed to, and yeah. we'll see what happens. Thanks for tuning in to the Yes to Entrepreneurship podcast. To find out more about each episode, including links to the guests that I bring on to the show, be sure to check out the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe in iTunes and go ahead and leave us a review.